Welcome to Six Degrees Within YGK, a podcast where we get everyone within the YGK area where we talk about health, fitness, and overall balance of life. I'm your host, Bob Payne, owner of CrossFit Limestone and Limestone Athletics. Today's podcast, we have Paul Tremblay, fresh back from his trip to Madison for the CrossFit Games. to talk about the games, format, and competing and some of his own experiences. If you don't know who Paul is, he's one of the owners of CrossFit NCR, a games athlete who has also been on the demo team at the games and now ambassador of Canada for the CrossFit affiliates. This is a great episode as we discuss the changes over the years in the CrossFit with the Open, Regionals, and other formats for the games and how his training is different now with four kids who you can hear in the background as Paul had to calm them down a couple times. Enjoy the episode, guys. Wicked, man. So, you were down in Madison there for the game? How was that? Yep. Yeah, I know. It, it was awesome. It was awesome. I got back uh, last week. Um, it was really cool to see um, kind of the games the way they used to be, to be honest. Like, it's, uh, um, you know, for 2000. Uh, 19 2020 were kind of weird years in my opinion so it's good to um, it really felt like the games are back you know um in in a way when you said um like the games are back like how it was like obviously 20 2020 was a weird year obviously with COVID so we don't even need to explain that one but like when you say they're back like what is that feeling like well explain that a little bit more what do you mean by that um Honestly, as simple as 40 men and 40 women starting the competition, uh, as opposed to like 120, you know, in, in 2019, there was, it was really cool what happened and, and the way it went down was still uh, a great show in 2019 with like the first workout and then the second workout and then like huge cuts as you went along. Um, but just the familiarity of, you know, starting the competition with four, the top 40 in the world. Um, you know, there's no, there was no qualifying to the open. Like everyone was there because they, you know, they, they essentially deserve, really deserve to be there in my opinion. Uh, and I, it was kind of nice to, to see that again. And, you know, even the first heat at the CrossFit games is still, um, guys and girls that, um, should be at the CrossFit games. So, and not that they shouldn't in, in the other format, but it was just different. You know, it was, it had a different feel and, um, obviously for us, like Canadians going down to the States and seeing, um, anything in live, you know, performing live, either sports or whatever music, um, it was, it was kind of bizarre to see, but you forget about it. And, and you realize that, man, you're, you're on the spot. You're the athletes are going, there's, there's, you know, thousands of fans. And it was just, uh, it was really refreshing. It was awesome. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Now, what was your yeah. role going down there this year? Cause like you're the kind of like the ambassador for Canada for the cross. Yeah. Where he's going down there, shaking people's hands, acting as the mayor, kissing babies on the <laughs> forehead, things like that. Or that's what, that's what Dave Castro thought I was doing for sure. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, he, he made fun of me a little bit for, for not doing the demo team and, and actually doing the, the affiliate support stuff. But yeah, I was there in, in, uh, in CrossFit Canada's capacity. Uh, but obviously there wasn't a lot of affiliate owners down there. Um, so I was helping out the U S team and we were, 
we had a really cool affiliate lounge where people could hang out and uh, we had events going on every day. We had some discussion panels with Rosa, um, with Eric Rosa, and we had uh, some, some meet and greets with the board and um, just basically making sure that the affiliate owners that are there are having a good time. And from Tuesday to, to Thursday with the masters and teens and adaptive athletes, we were trying to get um, as much coverage as possible really for, for them. Uh, so the international squad, the the country managers that were able to be there from uh, European countries and and others, we're trying to just get as much content as possible to feed to our countries and and show that side of the competition that typically doesn't get a lot of uh, spotlight. So hopefully we we did a an okay job of doing that, and we'll we'll do better next year. But it was pretty much the the elite will get all the coverage. Right. Yeah. And the teams and the, the, the big names, um, but the teens and masters and adaptive athletes are pretty incredible to watch and see. And honestly, from my standpoint, I had never really watched them. And I, I did this year and I tried to follow as much as possible, obviously, to capture some content. And it was insane. We had some 58 year old woman doing bar muscle ups, you know, like it was it was absolutely incredible to see. And the adaptive athletes were pretty off the hook as well so it was just that was the kind of the first part of the week watching them and giving them some attention and and hopefully feeding that to our uh to our markets and our social media oh that's awesome um now how many years have the adapted athletes been going to the games now it's the first year this was the first year okay yeah yeah the they've done like little events and they've done like they've showcased some adaptive athletes like on the Coliseum floor in between heats and things like that. Um, but it's never been an actual division. Um, so there was lower extremity, upper extremity, neuromuscular. Um, and then a, there might have been one more category. I think there was four categories, men and women. And um, yeah, that was that was super cool, too. There was a guy with one arm who deadlifted 500 pounds, you know, so it was like uh, it was the first year. Yeah, my deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Yeah. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, it's the first year that they were there and they, they put on the show. It was cool. Um, so in the following years, like, how do you think we're going to get to see more of them? Because like you said there, it's usually the like the best athletes, like majority of people want to see the best athletes. But I know it's always been commented that like people want to see like people from their own gym. Is there going to be like ways that you can watch each heat? Like, was there any discussion on that or? Yeah, that's going to come down to to pretty much us, the country managers, uh, to try and, and push for a little bit more media uh, specific to our markets. So uh, we already have a, a, a plan for next year to try and get more of that. And even just like live streaming certain people in certain heats to make sure that our, our athletes are, are being seen by the people at home who want to see them. Cause we understand that the feed is uh, you know, it, it, it watches the top athletes, even for the elite and the teams, but um, there's definitely talks of trying to, you know, making the experience better for the people watching at home. If they want to follow someone from their gym, then they'll be able to, cause we're going to try and, and put the camera on them a little bit more. Yeah. And to me, yeah. like, that's totally understandable that you're watching the top athletes. Cause if you watch any sports, let's talk about golf here, right. You're only going to see the guys who are winning, you're not going to see the, the guys that are like 30 spots down. They're just not going to follow them. Even though you might have a direct relation, you want to go see them, but it's totally understandable that 
is the majority like sad no association with any of the athletes there this year right don't know a single one but you kind of know them by names well some people are going to see one like see like tia tara Kalumi there who's in the lead like they're going to want to watch her right and so yeah. someone that they never heard of in 30th place it's going to be hard to follow them so it's totally understandable that I do that but it's pretty neat if you can start incorporating all of them right yeah yeah and it's just like for sure everybody wants to watch that but it's like we're, we're a very like community driven sport you know so and and sure the people aren't watching the first heats uh as much but it's still important to show the community back home watching the athlete who actually trains in their gym right mm -hmm. and and we want to try and, and do that a little bit more but we understand it's not necessarily as sexy for the for everyone else uh in the world that we're trying to like you know attract yeah right? we want we want people to actually we want it to be actually like a spectator sport right people can watch that from home so uh it's definitely a little bit of a battle but um you know, it was my first year on kind of that, that end of things. And, uh, it was interesting to see, cause it was, I almost experienced it more as a, as a spectator than, uh, than obviously behind the scenes. So it was a couple things were just, um, new to me for sure. And, and not understanding that and seeing it was definitely one of them. Like you saw the top 10 for the men. It was like, you know, seven internationals and three or even two or three, um, Americans so just just recognizing that and, and giving more coverage to the international athletes is uh it should probably happen next year now let's talk about the whole games experience this year because obviously this year was so different than the other years like because there was kind of well there was the open that's always part of it then there was the um quarterfinal and then the semifinal of like some people going on site to some of the games and then the actual crossing games like how was your overall take on that? Like, let's kind of like two different viewpoints here. Cause you, uh, CrossFit and CR, you're one of the owners there. So looking at yeah. it from the owner standpoint, doing the open for four weeks and then doing all the different things. And then we'll even jump into doing the quarterfinals and masters and yeah. all that stuff in the pandemic there. Yeah, it was, um, it was kind of awkward because you, you see it as an affiliate owner too. Like we were able to be open for just the open mm -hmm. right here in Ontario. So we had the same shutdowns. We were yeah. open for the open and then we shut down again. So the quarterfinals were a bit of a mess, right? We had so many people uh, qualify because 10% of every, of everybody in each division is a lot. So, yeah. so many people qualify. And then, you know, even we qualified a team, but we couldn't do it. And so that was, that was a bit of a mess this year. And, and I don't think we were able to experience it exactly like we will next year, hopefully. Um, but well, I thought especially, that's well, especially with the one workout was like a logistic nightmare, the rope climb, the GHD and all that. Like one of my favorite things of the games this year was the photo that you put up on social media of you trying to do uh, the rope, rope climb GHD one. And then your kids are running around there because you're doing yeah. it you have a rope in your tree there. I think like we're all overcoming like logistic issues like that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that was, uh, if it wasn't for that workout, honestly, it would have been, uh, it would have been fine. There would have been most of the workouts, uh, were okay to be done outside. We actually put up a rope, um, right beside, like we took a rope down, put up on a tree right in our kind of in our parking lot at the gym. And we brought a GHD, we brought it outside and we said like, Hey, if you, if you want to come do the, uh, quarterfinals then go ahead. And then 
our landlord cut that branch down. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was on their property. So, you know, they, they probably saw the rope hanging there and thought that's probably a lawsuit right there. But um, other than that, it would have been, it would have been fine. Like we had most, we had a lot of athletes still do it just kind of outside with their own gear. And we had already rented out a bunch of gear. So everybody uh, kind of had what they, what they needed uh, at home. Um, but it's still obviously the, uh, the participation was much lower than anticipated, especially for us uh, in, in Europe, everyone was closed at that point as well. Uh, so it didn't have, I don't think it had the same impact for CrossFit home office and the games team, but we'll see, we'll see it for real next year. Yeah. Like, what did you think of the, the four week or the three week open there? I really liked it as an owner. It was, it was very smooth. Um, and it just, you know, it, it kept people engaged. Uh, you, you, you know, it like week four and five, like if they're not, you know, unless they're the real diehards, but if you're not the real diehard, you're probably tapering off. And it's just like, um, you know, basically planning your entire week around and one workout is just not cool anymore. You know, everyone's excited for the first couple of weeks and then it, it sort of dies off. But um, the three week open, I think was awesome. And it was, I thought it was very class friendly. Yeah. yeah no. So the, like, oh, for sure. I always found like the open is always supposed to be very inclusive. And this year, three weeks, like you just said, um, everyone was able to keep focused on it. And because usually like what you said there was by fourth week, members are like missing the week or they're sending messages to the coaches be like, hey, I can only come in on Sunday night at like 9 p.m. Can I come in? We're like, look, no, like we can't accommodate that. So the three week was great. And I thought this year was very um, inclusive. Anyone could do it. Like no one saw the um the wall walk like like that's i know I it was so bad and it's that's what it's that's why it's so funny it's because it was arguably one of the most inclusive workouts ever yeah you know in terms of equipment in terms of movement and um but it was so nasty it was the worst one of the the three you know um so that was a pretty cool demonstration and obviously in dave castro fashion everybody said the wall walk was stupid blah 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 and he said okay well Let's put it at the games. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's see it. Yeah. And your arms are just so dead. You can only go so fast. But um, no, all you need was just literally a wall and a skipping wall. Anyone could have yeah. done it. You didn't need the equipment or anything like that. So I thought that was well done. Yeah. And, and it like it, uh, it just, it was a great, you know, everyone was waiting for the open. And it had been a year and a half since we had one. And I thought it was just a cool way to get people talking about it as well. You know, it's yeah. so that it wasn't just like a normal, um, just a normal workout, you know, and Dave, Dave's the best for that. He, he's got a, he's got a niche for that, uh, theatrical stuff. So he's, uh, he, he really nailed it there. Yeah. Well, the three I, weeks was, was really cool. Did you guys like it for three weeks? It was better uh, from, from a business standpoint. I thought it was the best because it, like, it's exhausting. Right. And, and like trying to program around it be like first week you're trying to write a week-long program you're like okay well what won't they have at the in the open we always start off like bench press and sleds because we just know that won't be in the open i want to do next year what they have for there but um no from a coaching standpoint wasn't nearly as exhausting and to me like always i found the past by like you hit week four you're just like okay let's move on let's get this over with like you love the open especially the first week second week goes down and then picks back up and i did like how there was like the top 10 percent moved on because the people who are serious are like 
who've been doing cross for a long time now, the skills nailed down, then they have a way to keep going. Right. And they got another challenge there to go over a weekend. So I did like that aspect a little bit. Yeah. Did you find, uh, were you able to get some of your members to do that outside or were you open during, I don't think you were, were you? No, no, we, so we did it cause you know, Jack Clark, right? So yeah. we, what we did, we, we took a GHD from the gym, got a rope, I didn't, can't remember where we got the rope from. I think my brother got the rope or because the ropes we had at the gym were all afraid. There was like a, like, yeah, if you start going up and they're going to break. So we did yeah. it on the front lawn, like one person at a time. And like, I just awesome. remember climbing up on the tree that we had to be careful because if you know, when you climb up a rope, you start spinning. If you start spinning too much when you're towards the top, you're going to be hitting the tree and you had to watch it. So you had to like time it and like, it became like a, like a strategy of just even going up the ropes on them. It was fun. That one, other than that one workout, um, everything else went smoothly, but the quarterfinals was kind of fun because the few of us who were doing it um, were able to sit there and talk about it and kind of like was very inclusive in that aspect too, right? And some yeah. of the people, because we do get members who do the open, they're like, what is the open again? What is it? And they just do the workouts, but like they don't care so much about going on to the next stage or anything like that. So overall i thought i thought it was well done this year yeah and it gave a little bit of a uh the people who know they don't really aspire to go into semis or regionals it just gave them a little bit a little bit extra because you know some of them are are just diehards and they love to compete but they're they don't have crazy aspirations it's like hey here's an extra weekend where you can do five or six workouts and like compare yourself again um and 10 percent is a big number it is a big number. You know, like, like, there's a lot of people doing it, right? Yeah, and it gives someone something else to shoot for as well. Like, how many people did we hear in the gym this year after the Open being like, I didn't realize that 10% was attainable. Yeah. You know, they're like, next year I'm going for that 10%. Like, hell yeah, let's go. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Now, what did you think of the, like, trying to jump topics here? Like, we're yeah, going, yeah. So we're going to move backwards here. So 2019 is when they came out with all the big changes there, right? Um, I know some people are like, they didn't like it. Some other people did when they did the sanctionals. Um, well, we'll keep on the open here. Cause that's when they're like, we're not going to do the live stream or anything like that. It was kind of, they're going to let the other people kind of take over the role of the media. Right. And you guys hosted a live event there. Who, who did you guys have there? Velner and we had Velner, Tim Paulson, Craig Kenny, myself, and uh, Pete Shaw. We all did it. Yeah. The five of us. Yeah, and now that was the first one where they actually was like posted live and brought people in to, with the announcers and all that. That was pretty cool to see you guys kind of take the role of that. And to me, I kind of like that. It wasn't just like CrossFit doing it, but other people are starting to jump in on it. I don't know if that was mm -hmm. kind of their intent or if they, I don't know. Well, what did you guys think of all that? So that came about, um, you know, we were in chats with uh, Justin Berg, um, uh, probably a couple months before the, or a couple weeks before the open. And, you know, they, they told us about their plan and they're trying to get people involved and in doing their own kind of show. And that's not who's happening. Like, who's, who's Justin Berg? Just for people listening, they might not. Uh, sorry, Justin Berg. I'm not hundred percent sure of his title. He's not, uh, he might be the, um, he's like the media director, isn't he? Yeah. He's like second in command, I guess. And for the, for the CrossFit games. So yeah. Um, yeah, he's in charge of the partnerships and, and all that stuff. And uh, the, basically the operations of the CrossFit games. Um, 
so he, he, he reached out and we, you know, he said he had talked to Vellner and they wanted to do an, uh, an open announcement. And we had seen a few of them because um, we weren't the first ones. Because I think we did 15 or uh, 19.4. Is that 19 or 20? I think that was 19. Yeah, it was 19. Yeah. But the first one didn't happen until like the third week where it was kind of like a big deal, I thought. Yeah, well, people were just getting used to it. Like, I think a lot of the the ones – Cause there was multiple per week. Remember there was like uh, a few in different countries and you know, you could, yeah. Paris, yeah. Yeah. And you could pick which, whatever, whatever one you wanted to watch. Um, so from that standpoint, it was pretty cool because it was very international. You know, you had different uh, languages every single week and it was cool as you could see local athletes, you know, from France, from Brazil, throw down um, every week. And it wasn't just like the, the typical Americans that we always see on, on uh, the live announcements, but it was a lot of strain on us. Like it was, it cost us, uh, it costs some money to, to put it together. And we wanted to have a, a pretty good production and we wanted to have it um, still pretty simple, but it's to start the workout, you know, yeah. and just they watch that. Great. Yeah. They want to watch that. And then that's it. You turn it off, you go to bed and you start, losing sleep over the, the open workout so it's not uh it's not this we, we didn't try to do this this crazy um theatrical thing but uh from that standpoint it was cool because we had it at our own gym like we had so many people show up like 200 maybe 250 people show up and watch that which made for like a you know a, a pretty cool environment um but really happy to see it come back this year from from home office and they had like a little studio set up and it was like kind of the same look and feel every week, which was done on purpose. They'd fly people in. So um, I think it's really cool that they kind of took control of that again and, and not necessarily put it kind of on the, the affiliates to do. Although I think we were one of the only affiliates to, to actually do it without the help of like a sanctional. Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of the sanctionals were just saying, okay, we'll, we'll take an open announcement and we'll, We'll use our production, use our budget to actually promote our event. And we were just, it was just that CrossFit NCR with yeah. a couple cameras and that's it. Yeah, no, that, that was pretty cool. Now, what did you think about the whole sanctionals thing? Um, it was a fun format in terms of like traveling. And um, now, did you do any of the sanctionals that year? Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I'm kind of losing track of like what year it was because the 20 I did in 2019 leading up to the 2019 games I did I think four sanctionals oh, wow. um, yeah and it was I just I was invited to some so I would just go I didn't try to qualify to any of them uh, just kind of ask the organizers you know if I wanted to go and you know I, I would just go I went to Iceland because Iceland looked awesome and I wanted to, to have a trip out of it so we went there and that ended up being um my best one i finished third so i missed the games by one spot oh, wow. um by being in in iceland and finishing third because the top two were already qualified uh the one one was qualified so but i i i liked it for that it was cool we traveled but in terms of like selection for the actual crossfit games i didn't think it was the best way to do it uh because it wasn't policed properly i think and, and not every sanctional was created equal and there was too many of them um so for that sense, I didn't really like it. And that's why I'm happy to see um, it come back the way it was with the regionals. And basically, like, if you're going to go to the games, you're going to have a very, very similar, if not the exact same path as the guy standing beside you at the games. 
So there's good, there's, there are some programming differences from the semifinals, but essentially it's, it's very uh, well, I mean, there's a standard and, and we, we have faith now that like, if you're at the CrossFit games, you're there, like you deserve to be there for yeah. sure. Now, I'm just going to kind of quickly explain that to anyone who wasn't watching or following um, 2019 and the road to the games there. So they had the Open. The top person from each country qualified for the games. If you didn't qualify through that, then you could go to a sanctionals, and the top person from the sanctionals could go to the games. Now, if that top person is already going to the games, then the second place person would go to the games. And that's what you meant by your third place. So you missed it by one spot. That's right. Um, and like to, to that point, like to explain it a little, uh, to add on to that, you had sanctionals that like Dubai, the person who finished eighth in Dubai that year qualified for the games. That means that the seven people in front of them were already qualified through the open. So that means it was stacked right? Because it was a top 20 from the open. And if you finish top 20 worldwide in the open, like you should probably end up going to the games. Uh, so, and then some competitions, it was the first person who won, who would go to the games because no one from the open that was already qualified showed up to it. Well, so, people for the Dubai want to go there because they had the biggest purse, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it was, yeah, and the same with Wadapalooza and um, other events like that. But and it made for there was a lot of sanctions. I think there was twenty eight that year. Yeah, twenty eight, and um, not every sanctional had a team division either. So it was like sometimes it was just elite. Sometimes it was like Wadapalooza where there was a million categories and um, more like a fitness festival, which is an awesome event, but just different from like you know Iceland that was like three heats of elite and three heats of elite uh, women and men. And that was it. Uh, now, when they look back at that, like who was kind of pushing the sanctionals? Cause like I was saying with the sanctionals it was kind of different. Cause it was a one thing I thought was good about it. Like I'm not saying, Oh, I was all for sanctionals, but you can incorporate more things, more movements or more variability in the workouts just because uh, the sanctionals, they could throw swimming in there. They could do um, other events always at the regionals. They're always done like in a stadium and things like that. So they're only limited by that. So I thought that was one good thing about the sanctionals. Now, looking back at that, do you think it was like Dave Castro and those guys are like, Hey, let's try this this year. Or was it just kind of it, like part of that whole year, there's kind of taking a step back on the road to the games because with the open thing. Honestly, I don't, I don't know for sure who, um, who or what was driving that. Uh, but like you say, like every sanctional could have kind of their own little unique feel. And that was kind of, that was cool. Right. Like you would know that there'd be a swim event if you went to this sanctional or there would be a, a mountain run if you went to this uh, sanctional and they were kind of using their, their landscape or their terrain and making it their own, which was cool, but it made that not every sanctional was similar, you know, and, like there might be swimming at sanctionals or at semifinals next year, right? Cause there's the granite games um, and the granite games has historically had swimming events. Um, so it, it could be possible, but I think now we're in a spot where if one semifinal has swimming, all of them should, right. Or, or we're just at the point where if you go to the CrossFit games, you know, you're going to have to swim. So whether you swam at semis or not, 
practice it. Um, but I think we're moving more towards, you know, there's 28 sanctionals, each their little types of different flavors versus, you know, nine exactly the same regionals. And we're kind of meeting in the middle here. There's going to, there's still uh, different events around the world and they can have their own little field, but there's a consistency across all of them that makes that if you go to the one in Germany versus the one in you know Minnesota, uh, you're going to get kind of the same same feel and, and essentially the same people qualify. I mean, this year was kind of unique as well because we had I think four four or five semifinals that were the exact same programming. Yeah. Um, and then we could we could kind of cross reference and you know see where would where would you have qualified or where would you have not qualified things like that. But um, and I I can't speak of what's going to be done next year in terms of programming across semifinals, but. I think we're going towards something more standardized for sure. Now, because the, the following years before that, so at like 2018 and earlier, there was always the, um, always like the regional events. And like, because you, you made it to, what is it, seven regionals you've been to? Since 2012, every year. Yeah. And so. So 10, 10, I think. Okay, 10. Okay, yeah. Because I've read down, yeah, one team there. Because you've been to the games. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if you're right because regionals, yeah. Because, um, I mean, 2019, 2020, there was no regionals. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then one team. And so, like, how much as in from an athlete standpoint, like, when, say, for the regionals, because they weren't always held on the same weekends, right? And when you're looking from an athlete standpoint, do you think some people, like, who were in the first weekend of the regionals, like, they always did, like – generally better worse than the people who were in like in the third weekend because they essentially had more time to prep for those regional events in the past there so like because they're all the same workouts before and yeah how much did that game come into play or like do you think at that point it didn't really matter when you got to the games of how much that mattered i think at the end of the day whoever it it, it didn't really matter because you were competing against the people at your regionals but I'm pretty sure that the records kept getting broken every week. Oh, they did. They got you know? They're like a world record again. You're like, oh yeah. It was always that. So like we would, you know, the first the first week there'd be like a crazy time, and everybody's like, holy crap, that's super fast. And then by by the time the Central East rolled around and Panchak and Froning got to go at it, they would beat they would beat the first weeks, you know, or or Frazier or whatever. Yeah. Um, but so in that sense, for sure, it helped to see because we would all test the workouts right like we would try the workouts and or try parts of them and then you'd watch the first week and you'd see like you know where was your time stack up or was it too fast or too slow whatever and then you would definitely like change your game plan or um you know adjust something if you were in the later weeks but um it definitely played a role it definitely and and also the workouts used to get announced like a week before the first week right and it was a pretty big challenge to be last yeah. and kind of have like three weeks of knowing the workouts and not like knowing knowing what to do in terms of training um and i'm speaking for myself like someone who was like really trying hard to qualify versus you know some guys that were essentially shoe-ins and they could just yeah. like know the workouts try them out once and then just like basically go back to their regular programming and just kind of ride it through um, I wasn't in that, 
you know, category. I was in the category where like, I need the perfect weekend to qualify. So, um, so it was, uh, I always loved the second week. That was it. Big fan of the second week. Yeah, no, cause I'll be the same. Cause you want a little bit of time to prep kind of see how the people did it, but you don't want to be waiting last to do it. And you're just kind of standing around like, okay, I want to get back into my pro or like my original game plan of training. Right. Yeah. Um, cause you went to the games in 2014. Mm-hmm. Right Now, how was that? Like, how was that experience? Like make it to that? Like, cause that was your second time going. Cause the first time you went on a team, right. Mm-hmm. It was really, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It feels like a long, long time ago now. Uh, but it was, uh, it was kind of a, it wasn't something that I was working towards uh, for years. Right. So that's what, um, like you see some guys qualify for the games right now. And it's like, I've been working 10 years for this, you know, or, um, and I kind of got lucky. I was, I was onto the scene pretty quick and CrossFit was still new, relatively speaking. Um, and it was still kind of, in its growing phase. So qualifying for the games on the team in 2012 was almost a fluke. Like we put a team together. I, it was my first open. We had no idea and we did well. We won regionals, Canada East, and we went to the games. So that was my first exposure. And I remember really well being at the games and seeing the individuals and thinking like, man, I got a lot of work to do. Um, if I want to get here as an individual, but that was the goal. So let's say, you know, I worked two years really hard to, to qualify in 2014. And even then I got lucky. Like I, it was a three-way tie for second place and top two qualified back then. And I, I just won the tie break because I, I had more event wins, you know, being there in 2014 in California, it's, it's just crazy. Like I, you see all the guys that you've been watching YouTube videos of and you realize, you know, you're standing right beside them and you're actually doing workouts with them. It is like, um, I almost like didn't take it in as much as I, I should have knowing now, like looking back that I'll never go back. Um, so it was, uh, it just went by super fast. Right. And then after that, 2015, 2016, just always super close to, of qualifying. And it was always kind of really, really bittersweet to actually do the demo team um, instead of, of competing. But um, that, that experience at the games was definitely what kind of, uh, threw me deeper into the CrossFit world though. If you know what I mean? Like I met some people at the games, made some really good connections. Uh, you know, that same year I got on staff um, and, you know, just through, I guess, knowing, knowing good people and, and, you know, working towards that. So athletically I never went back, but it was definitely one of the uh, biggest uh, turning points of my career. Now, just going stay on theme well i should say kind of on theme there because you got your kids yeah. in the background running around there now how is that because you almost made it to the games last year right now how's the training been because you have four kids and you just recently had the last one there how old's the youngest how old's the oldest like, two youngest there? so i'm i'm like five to zero basically so the oldest one is uh is five and the young or turning five next month and then youngest is like three months yeah. So how is that balancing now? Like, obviously you probably don't train as much in volume now as you did yeah. in like five, six, seven years ago, just because of working for CrossFit headquarters, um, running a gym, and then you got four kids running around in the background there, literally running around in the background. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the year's been, it's been weird. It's been weird for, for everybody, I think, in terms of training. So this year, it was, uh, it was very, very odd because during the lockdown, I, I was kind of lucky. I set up a really, really awesome garage gym. So I was able to keep my training up. Um, like in terms of like ev do everything I can at home, uh, not just like dumbbells in front of my living, you know, in my living room, like a lot of people were doing. But um, so I, I kind of changed my, the way I was training um, just because I started training really, really early in the morning. So um, I started allotting a lot, lot less time to training. So my sessions were just a lot faster, a lot of, you know, in and out never, never trained for more than like 45 minutes, um, at a time. So if I'm lucky, I'll get a second section in, but it's always short. Um, but I think, I think honestly with my age and, and where I'm at in, in life, I think it was perfect. Um, I don't think I could handle the type of volume that, that some competitors do anyways, anymore. Um, actually I know I couldn't handle it because I, I do sometimes some, some big workouts with a lot of volume in the workout, even though they're not long in duration, they have some volume and it's like, I'm destroyed from it. So I think that maybe the little bit of a step back on overall volume and just hammering my weaknesses all the time, just uh, made that I was having a little bit more fun and uh, a lot less stressful. Definitely. Well, for sure. It's a totally different outlook and identity on how you're training. Right. Cause like, if you think about how many top CrossFit games, athletes have kids, like how many in the, like, I know Patrick mm -hmm. Belfer just had a kid there, but like how many in the top 10 have like four kids running around the background there? I only know Travis Mayer. Yeah. Yeah. He's, a, he, he's lunatic. Yeah. He's got four kids too. Um, and he had one this year as well. Um, but he, he treats it as a full-time job, you know, like it's uh, he does run a gym too, though, which is crazy. But um, you know, I've talked to him about that and it's just, you know, that's, it's his job. He goes to work in the morning and it's to work out. Uh, and if he gets second or third sessions in, it's like, you know, sprinkled around the day late at night or something like that. But um, you know, I always say like, cause people ask me that all the time. Like, how do you deal with four kids and everything? Like, it's just, it's just busy. Like everyone's busy, Yeah. you know, like we're all busy and like <laughs> it's different how we, how it looks. Yeah. And, and I have this conversation with affiliate owners all the time when they're like, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just, it's so busy. I can't work out anymore. It's like your gym is full of busy people. Yep. You know, like every single person in your gym is arguably busier than you are. Like put into perspective, there's a lot of business owners that come to your gym and they find that hour to work out, you know, and, and if you can't do that yourself, then it's, it's, uh, it's hypocritical, right? It's like, I, I praise that an hour of fitness is all you need a day. Yeah. You know, and, if, and you're able to, you should be able to find that in your day. So like that kind of mentality I, I tried to use during COVID and say like, there's no excuses. Like I, and, and my method of doing that was like, well, that means I'm going to have to wake up and I'm going to do it at 5.00 AM every single day. Yeah. And it's like, and, and it sucks, but it's like, that's the way that I know that I can for sure get, my workouts in and I don't compromise on that from Monday to Friday. No, for sure. Cause it, like you said, it's hypocritical because if you're asking your members, no, you, you can make time to come in at 6am. I know you're busy. People are like, well, I need like 90 minutes, two hours to train, even though I'm not like, say for me, I, I'm not training for the games, but I can never ask that for my members to be like, I need 90 minutes. You can do it in 60 minutes. I can do it 6am. Like, I think that would be unfff. Cause you're not leaving. Yeah. On that, right. Yeah. 
and it's like it just goes to speak about the it, it the program that we do right the, the how efficient crossfit is yeah. you know how efficient our classes are and in, in an hour class or 45 minute class you can you can do a lot of good work have some pretty solid intensity and it's basically all you need and especially as you grow older you know like unless you're someone who just absolutely loves working out and you have all the time in the world and you just want to work out three times a day, then and go nuts. You know, I'll, no way I'll stop you because working out is the, the most fun thing in the world. But when it comes down to like, Hey, how can I be as efficient as possible with my time? What's the best bang for my buck in terms of fitness? Boom. This is it. You know, 45 minutes of CrossFit every day. Now your wife, does she ever jump in and do the workouts with you? Like, how's that, how's that balance work with you guys? Um, she, we rarely work out together. It happens sometimes, but during this last pregnancy, she went crazy. She was like, she was getting up with me and, and hitting workouts at 5.00 AM. Um, like she just really wanted to, to stay active. And, um, and she knew that, you know, as the day went on, she wouldn't have any energy to do it. So she knew that she had to do it in the morning. Um, but she CrossFits. I, I met her at the gym. Like she, she loves, she loves CrossFitting. She always knew that like, the goal was to try and go back to the games because um, we've been together since 2013. So she saw me go to the games and then not go to the games the years after that. And she was always super supportive and, and knew uh, how much time it took to, to actually try and do that. So now she sees, she just, she thinks it's hilarious. She's like, you finished 12th at semis and you work out for 45 minutes a day. Like this is, this is hilarious. But I'm like, well, you know, first of all, I got lucky, I think, at semis because the program was really up my alley. But um, I think it's just, yeah, well, my 45 minutes a day is extremely productive in terms of fitness. Like, there's no messing around. So that's all it took. Phone's off, focus, know exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's prepared the night before, my, my warm-up, my workout, sometimes two workouts and sometimes some accessory. And it's just like I can easily be done in 45 minutes and that's it can have my coffee at 6 a.m. I can work for an hour. Then the kids get up. Boom. Day starts. The only difference with me is I drink my coffee before because there's no way I'm getting up before coffee. So, yeah, it's I've done both, man. And it's like. I feel like I, you know, I, when I have a cup of coffee, I want to have a second and a third, you know, I, I, so I and I, you can't work out with two cups of coffee in your belly. Like there's no, no uh, especially not if you're doing burpees or anything like that. But are you a morning guy, too? Yeah. So my like. I'm a morning person, most productive in the morning. If I don't get my workout in before 12, like sometimes, cause sometimes I coach a first thing yeah. in the morning and if I don't get my workout in before 12, it's not going to happen. Sometimes it's, it's yeah. like at seven in the mornings, other times like today, I think, yeah, I was hitting cause I, cause I got a garage set up too. I was in the gym at in my garage there at 7am after I drank my coffee. But, <laughs> but if it's like, there's times we do it in the afternoon, but I find with work and all that, like, I have too much on the mind, too much on the go that that time to work out just gets smaller and smaller. So it's like, you gotta get up, like almost want to say, get it over with, like get it done before you have too many other distractions in the day. Yeah. And it's the time starts to dwindle down, but it's also the motivation. You know, then people will say like, Oh, you're crazy. You work out in the morning. I'm like, you work out at 8 PM. That's crazy. Oh, that's bedtime. <laughs> exactly. And you're spending the entire day thinking about your workout you're like well i don't think like that i'm like great well thank god because if i had to think about my workout for 12 hours from the time i get up to when i do it it would be it wouldn't be cool 
Oh, especially in a workout where you know you got to go fast, thrusters, burpees, something that's going to be really gross. So, uh, yeah, I'll be tapping out. Yeah, exactly. So that's why you get up, smash it, and then start the day. Yeah. So do you have anything else on the go with fitness? Any other aspirations you're going to try and hit in the next little bit? Or are you just going to keep just doodling in? Uh, well, I'm master's next year. For uh, I'll be 35. I'm 34, so I'll be uh, 35 for next year, and I'll be in that category. So I think it'd be cool to to try and shoot for that, not change a whole lot in the training, but just try and do that. Okay, awesome. Yeah, this was my first year. No, second. I'm 36, so this was my first year doing the Masters and all that. Yeah. How'd it go? Um, overall, it was good. The, the handstand push-ups got me, and the rope climbs pistols. The pistols got me. So. Yeah. I mean, 35 to 40 is not a joke category. You know, no, I'm like, well, like I'm going up against someone like you. who's just, yeah, they've done CrossFit, they're elite, and then they just got bumped up in age group. So, yeah, it's it's not fair for someone like you. Yeah. But it's, uh, it, it was still cool to see. You got James Hobart, Kyle Casper Bauer, like those guys are still machines, you know? So it's like that 35 to 39 is, is still a, a really tough, tough roster to crack but hey you got you got another year of training under your belt and you'll maybe you'll get there yeah for sure go go work out in uh, jackie's backyard there yeah well yeah exactly do more rope climbs there so yeah no that was awesome paul thanks so much for jumping on here man no problem bob say hi to everyone at uh, limestone and uh if you're ever in Ottawa or if i'm ever in kingston i'll hit you up